When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome into today's edition of the PHNX D-backs podcast. No Derek Montia today, ladies and gentlemen. How how the turntables, uh, Patrick? Derek is the one in Seattle uh, today while I am here hosting the show. I believe this is the first time I've ever done a show from the studio just sitting here by myself. Obviously, you are here with me as well. Uh, but it, it's sort of a it's sort of an odd vibe. It's gonna it's gonna take some getting used to. Uh, this show is brought to you by the DraftKings Sportsbook app, America's number one rated sportsbook app. Um, and as I alluded to earlier, I am Jesse Friedman, and I'm joined by none other than the one and only Patrick Lyons from DNVR Rockies. Patrick, thanks for thanks for hopping on today. I appreciate it. Yeah, I'm the uh, interim mayor for the day, and uh, those duties uh, I take very seriously. So I, I appreciate everyone being kind. Uh, if there's anything I can't answer or handle today, I will make sure to pass it along to the official mayor, Mr. Derek. Montino. Yeah, well, we'll have a stack of mail uh, waiting for him upon his return, for for sure. Um, Patrick, obviously, you're you're covering the uh, Colorado Rockies. That is your that is your day job, which I imagine uh, this this time of year and this particular stint in the history of that franchise, uh, not not great uh, on a number of different fronts. It seems like uh, the Rockies are, uh, you know, they obviously were in the basement of the NL West this past season, and it sort of looks like they were, you know, but they are potentially destined to be in that same spot moving into. 2023 uh but the good news patrick is i'm pretty sure carlos correa is going to sign with the colorado rockies when it's all said and done is is that is that fair to say uh, that's what i came on here to break uh was was news <laughs> carlos correa coming to denver the public school systems are just uh, amazing here uh, he, he's uh he's a local kid you know if, if chris bryan can be considered local uh from all the way out in las vegas you know, you might as well say uh, Carlos Correa from Puerto Rico, also kind of native. You know, he's he's kind of from the same general area, so so why not? There you go, um, Patrick. Before we get into some more stuff on the Rockies, what do you think of this whole Carlos Correa situation? Is it, is it going to happen with the Mets? Is that is that your sense of of what's going on here? I think so, but I, I'm just surprised it's still taking this long, and we're not really getting much news, which uh, is, yeah. is the other odd wrinkle to all of this. But I, I think. Correa wants to be in New York. New York wants him. I, I think that's why they were so quick to hand him their original offer, despite knowing there was probably something concerning in the physical. Uh, but I think they can figure out a way to, you know, possibly 
you know, give a little insurance to the Mets, uh, maybe even allowing them some type of opt out. I don't know how much you've talked about the deal that JD Martinez originally signed uh, with Boston, but uh, they were concerned about his foot and they, uh, they had a clause in his contract uh, whereby the, the the Red Sox would have been able to walk away from that five-year contract. Uh, alas, uh, never came to fruition, and uh, and now he's a Los Angeles Dodger, so we'll be seeing him a lot more, uh, and you certainly will at, at Chase Field. So I, I think there'll be some, certain provisions like that for Correa in the Mets going forward, and, and they will get that deal done eventually. Eventually. Yeah. <laughs> it, it seems like at this point, I mean, given the comments that Steve Cohen made, and, and we've already talked about this on on past shows here, like – you can't really come out and say like, this is that final piece that we needed like Steve Cohen did and then back off and and not make this move. And I also think from Carlos Correa's standpoint, if this deal doesn't work out, I don't know if he's going to get another, you know, if he's going to find another 12 year contract out there at that point after, you know, two teams have backed out. So uh, we'll of course continue to, to monitor that situation. But unfortunately for Rockies fans, Patrick, it seems like uh, Carlos Correa is probably not coming uh, to the Rockies uh, this off season, uh, nor have the Rockies been particularly active as, as far as I can tell on, on any front. I know they've, They've made a few smaller trades here and there, a couple of smaller signings. Um, but what do you think, just big picture, uh, what has the approach of the Colorado Rockies been this offseason? Well, the word that they don't want to use but probably should use is is a rebuild. Right? I think they're uh, taking a step back. It, it's hard because in a rebuild, uh, it does mean that you are trying to to fix a lot of problems and uh, you're, you're probably trading away players. So you're not doing a full tank where you're intentionally trying to be bad. Uh, you're just trying to, to fix issues in the future. But they also, they, they've got those solutions in their minor league system. They're, they're kind of uh, having a similar approach to uh, what the Diamondbacks uh, have done in, in recent years. Bill Schmidt has admitted that you know, ultimately uh, the Rockies are a little bit behind the Diamondbacks in that, that process of getting those young guys to the major leagues uh, and having them contribute uh, to the big league level. So uh, right now they're, they're very much in a transition period. Bill Schmidt said down uh, at the winter meetings in San Diego last month that they didn't want to block any of their young guys. So they were not going to go out and maybe throw a lot of money at a Brandon Nimmo, who I think became a, a lot richer uh, for their blood. He, he ended up, you know, requiring a lot more money than I think they were going to uh, originally thought that would be required to to outlay for his services. A kid from Wyoming, and so he just became too pricey. And I think overall they they decided, uh, I think, to sit back. I, I think they're really going to not try to kid themselves and say that they are a couple pieces away from contending. I think they're going to wait a little bit for these young guys to get to the big leagues, which ultimately means you know we really might not see them contending until 2025. Well, I, I hate to bring up the uh, the comment you made at the beginning of of last off or I guess the of last season, um, but I feel like I have to, Patrick. Uh, you already know what I'm talking about, of course. Uh, we we wrote a preview article about the NL West for 2022, and Patrick wrote in said article that it was an impossibility that the Colorado Rockies would finish behind Arizona Diamondbacks in the standings. Um, but yeah, now it, it has become something of a refrain for D-backs fans, right? Like, oh. It, at least we're not the Rockies, right? Like, at least we have a plan. At least we have some sort of a direction here. 
Um, but I know the Rockies do have, maybe they're, they're not in the same spot as the Diamondbacks when it comes to the farm system. Uh, but they do have some guys. I know me and Derek got to see a lot of Zach Veen uh, in the Arizona Fall League. It seems like, seems like some scouts are still a little bit hesitant to buy in there, just given his frame, some questions about whether he really has power that will translate to the big leagues in the long term. But who are some of the young guys that, that Rockies fans are you know, holding their hope over uh, moving forward? Yeah, down in uh, in the Arizona Fall League, Blair Calvo was a guy, you know, relief pitcher, so maybe not a huge upside. Uh, he was a part of that Salt River Rafters team. Warming Bernabel, uh, twenty years old, uh, is on the now on the forty man roster, so he's a nice third base prospect with some power. Uh, but the top one hundred guys that you're you're going to hear the most, uh, as you mentioned, Zach Veen, the verdict is still out. He's still going to be uh, a really talented big leaguer. Is he going to be, you know, the the possible future Larry Walker that? Uh, maybe he was tabbed with uh, when they drafted him ninth overall in the 2020 MLB draft. A guy that was uh, at one point even discussed as being the first overall pick uh, by Baltimore that year. Uh, if they were going to uh, get a little bit creative, excuse me, uh, Detroit uh, that year, they, they took Spencer Torkelson. Um, but Drew Romo is another player that came from the 2020 MLB draft. Uh, a really good catching prospect. Uh, had some hiccups last year in high A. Uh, Spokane. And so we'll look to see what he does next year in double A. Probably he can make his debut uh, by 2024. Ezekiel Tovar, you've already seen a little bit of late in the season, got his first career home run off of Clayton Kershaw, which was uh, awesome to see. Also had two base hits in the first two pitches he saw. First pitch as a big leaguer, base hit. Second wow. pitch as a big leaguer in a second at bat, base hit. So uh, he 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 understood the assignment very well uh, and did a did a great job uh, late last year. Adel Amador is another one of those uh, top 100 guys. Gabriel Hughes should move quickly throughout their system. He was their first overall uh, pick last year at a Gonzaga University. So uh, we've seen their farm system, um, you know, take tremendous leaps. They started last year as the 24th best system according to MLB Pipeline, and they finished ninth. And wow. All of that had to do with their young guys, a lot of their Latin American players, um, just just having career years and making that progress that they really had hoped. It's interesting because on that list, the, all the other teams, most of them at least, uh, improved because of players that they had acquired via trades, either that uh, trade deadline in, in, in July of 2022 or the previous year, whereas the Rockies were very quiet in 2021 and in 2022 were the only team in all of MLB to not make a trade at the deadline. So uh, they <laughs> did it the difficult way. They did it the hard way, and those prospects uh, are making things really exciting uh, for, for the future of the franchise. We're going to talk a lot of NL West in this show, and I, I think for D-backs fans, when they think NL West, you know, there are some some guys from from the Dodgers and the Padres and the Giants who come up, but I think Charlie Blackman is is sort of as synonymous with the NL West as, as maybe you could get, at least as far as the uh, Colorado Rockies are concerned. What is just the sense among Rockies fans about Charlie Blackman? I know, I believe this is the last year of his contract. He exercised his player option. Uh, he's not the player that he once was. Is are, are things at a point among the Rockies fan base, like they might be with Madison Bumgarner and the D-backs fan base, where you know fans are, are just really wanting to move on? Or is there still an appreciation for what Blackman has meant to the franchise over the years, even though he might not be the same player he once was. Yeah, that's an interesting question and, and uh, a pretty pretty neat parallel between those two players. Whereas Bumgarner, you know, he got a, got himself a, a nice payday, uh, very very much one that he deserved. 
but his best days were in another uniform. So Diamondbacks fans can't look to that and say, hey, right. that was our guy then. Whereas Charlie Blackman, all his best seasons, in fact, all of his seasons have been with the Colorado Rockies. This will be his 13th year. He's the second longest tenured Rocky in franchise history. I think he's a player that uh, is very much deserving of having his number 19 retired at some point when his career is done. Rockies fans uh, are not necessarily looking to go away from him. Uh, he still provides a, a ton of value, especially from the left-hand side. They're still looking for another left-handed hitting outfield bat. Uh, Charlie Blackman isn't that for them. He's, he is more of a DH type. They used him more than any other player as a DH last year. So, you know, when, when you look at the next couple of years before they maybe get back into contention with their young players, I think the Rockies front office really want Charlie uh, as well as, you know, Ryan McMahon, Kyle Freeland, Chris Bryant to be the faces of the franchise so that even if they continue to, you know, win somewhere in the ballpark of 70 to 75 games, they're still happy with, going to the ballpark because, hey, we get to see Charlie or McMahon or Freeland. So uh, he's going to be an integral part, I think, still for this team this year. Uh, I, I even think that there's a chance we could see him uh, sign a little extension. So, you know, they'll announce a two-year deal. Maybe they want to bring him back for 2024, again, to to help, you know, bridge the gap for all those young guys, be a good leader in the clubhouse, which he absolutely is. He'd be uh, a great guy to, to, to show Zach Veen the ropes. So uh, Rockies fans are still very much, you know, happy to see Charlie Blackman because there are not a ton uh, of other options that, uh, they want to see more than Charlie Blackman. He's not necessarily blocking anyone. Uh, yeah, probably love you know some younger guys to get more opportunities uh, and more at bats instead of Charlie Blackman, who you know maybe we've seen enough of, and, and we've certainly seen his best days. But there are not so many of those young guys where you say, hey, you know what? Uh, giving these at bats to Charlie Blackman is is somewhat problematic. That's not necessarily the case. Uh, when that does happen, you know maybe uh, fans will be be more ready to say, you know what. Thank you, um, you know, for your services, but we're we're ready to move on from you. Twenty twenty three is not that year just yet. You mentioned fans, you know, wanting to come out to Coors Field to see a guy like Charlie Blackman play. I think Diamondbacks fans have been sort of in awe of uh, Coors Field and just the Rockies fan base and how many fans they seem to continue to bring into that stadium, uh, just despite you know the lack of of performance level from that team over these last couple of years. Uh, it's interesting, Patrick. It's it's like, in, in a sense, you know, the Rockies seem like this sort of smallish market team that would kind of align with the di with the Diamondbacks in that sense. And yeah, you look at their payroll, it's kind of right in the middle of the pack. Obviously, bringing in Chris Bryant was a big move. And the ballpark continues to pack in a, a decent number of people year after year. So it's just an interesting situation, even though the Rockies really haven't found much success on the field. It seems like just from a financial standpoint, maybe they're still kind of doing okay for themselves. Yeah, I was talking uh, earlier this morning on uh, another Rockies podcast, not my own even. Uh, not shameless <laughs> plug busy, for someone else. today, Patrick. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm shamelessly plugging somebody else's podcast. But we had that that conversation about, you know, if they're really in a rebuild and if they're really uh, ready to just wait, just sit around and wait for those young guys to come up and how, you know, they did that in the early two thousands with uh, a group of guys they would call Todd and, and the toddlers for, you know, Todd Helton and all these young guys. And it didn't really work. It didn't come together until several years down the line in 2007. Uh, and I think the Rockies learned a lot from that period of time because attendance did take a major dip uh, still in the early days of the franchise. They didn't have certain things figured out. They also didn't have a lot of marquee names at that time. By the time yeah. Larry Walker left in 2004, it was really only Todd Helton. They'd already gotten rid of 
um, uh, Dante Bichette and, and Vinny Castilla in, in the same offseason in, uh, in 1999. You had Andre Scalaraga was already gone. So the Blake Street Bombers had already broken up. And there was really you know not as, as, mu- as many reasons to go to the ballpark uh, and go to Coors Field. It was also a newer stadium at that point. Now it's the third oldest ballpark in the National League. It's absolutely beautiful when you think about um, things that you want to do when you come to Denver, Colorado, or even Colorado as a yeah. whole. If you're a sports fan, or even if you're just – you know, you're just looking for a good time. You go, I got to go to a game at Coors Field. It's one of the most affordable ballparks. So right now, despite the fact that they may only have 70 to 75 wins over the next two years, uh, so that's six straight losing seasons, you know, fans are still going to come to the ballpark. Uh, the, the population of Colorado has gotten a lot larger, right? There's, it's, it's constantly a, a transplant state. I know, you know, the Diamondbacks uh, have that same issue in Arizona with opposing fans coming to their games uh, rather than, oh yeah, you know, you know wear, wearing <laughs> D-backs colors and whatnot. And, and the Rockies actually benefit from that, so they can still be bad and still have a lot of people come out to the ballpark. Rockies fans are going to be frustrated. But that's the only game in town. If they want to see baseball or if Cubs fans want to see the Cubs, Dodgers fans want to see the Dodgers, they could see them right in their own backyard uh, down at 20th and Blake in downtown uh, downtown Denver. Have the Rockies really never won the NLS, Patrick? It just never. feels impossible to believe. <laughs> never. The Marlins have never won the NL East, but uh, they've they've got two World Series. Yeah, that's a big thing is, is they've never won the, the NL West. They, they've only gotten in uh, through the wild card and – uh, that's, uh, you know, that, that's a little bit indicative of the success that they've had. They, they did make that run in, in 2007, sorry for bringing that up uh, to the folks in the chat. <laughs> um, but they, they caught lightning in a bottle there. Uh, you got to give them the credit. They, uh, they were the best team in the national league. Uh, I, I think, I mean, uh, if you're looking at the, the playoff format, uh, yeah. it's just strange because, you know, about two weeks before the, the end of the regular season, you know, they were, they were several games back. I think they were like the seventh best team in the national league. Uh, and then they go on this historic run to go into the postseason, win game one sixty three against the Padres. Uh, then, then, you know, run off seven straight in a row against the Phillies and the diamondbacks again, sorry for mentioning that, <laughs> um, but they go to the world series. And so they've got that banner to, to raise, right. But it's, it's not the, the typical banner you think about when, when you talk about being the best team in the national league, Usually that comes with the best record or one of the best records uh, and and a, and a team that maybe you have somewhat of a dynasty with. Uh, uh, Rockies have just never really had that. In fact, 17 and 18, they went to back-to-back postseasons. Only time that they've ever done that. So huh. it's been rough. It's been uh, it's been a rough going for the franchise in the grand scheme of things. D-backs have made or have won the NOS five times altogether in, in the history of the franchise, but three of them came in the first five years and there have been two over the last 20 years. So, uh, you know, th- those early days with, with Randy Johnson and Luis Gonzalez, and, you know, that's really where the Diamondbacks did their damage, of course. And, and more recently it's been, I mean, yes, they have the two division titles in 2007 and 2011, but, um, you know, safe to say from the D-backs perspective, this NL West thing has been hard, uh, not, not only for the Rockies, but also uh, for the Arizona Diamondbacks. We're going to get into that more uh, in just a second. But first, uh, I want to tell you about our friends at Four Peaks who are uh, hosting the uh, inaugural PHNX Tea Party. Uh, we are so, so excited for this event uh, presented by our friends at Four Peaks over at the Dobson Ranch Golf Course see all the information here on your screen if you're joining us here on video uh we are renting out the entire driving range come hang with big drive energy the phnx crew and fellow diehards for a night of golf free food drinks contest prizes and more 
our PHNX Suns crew will be there hosting a watch party for the Suns uh, game against the Minnesota Timberwolves. Uh, and our friends at Four Peaks will be out there providing beer samples and swag. Check the link in the description to reserve your spot right now. And for our diehards, check Discord for your special link where, of course, you'll save 20% off as all diehards do. And speaking of diehards, if you haven't become a diehard yet, be sure to do that over at gophnx.com. Thursdays are diehard day uh, for our Arizona Diamondbacks beat around here. Um, So if you're a diehard, you'll get a newsletter delivered directly to your inbox every Thursday uh, by yours truly. So uh, the diehards know what I'm talking about. That'll, That'll get into your inbox tomorrow. And if you're not in on that yet, highly, highly recommend that you go do that. Uh, Patrick, this thing that we're dealing with here in the NOS, it's not just the Rockies, it's the Diamondbacks. And I know D-backs fans like to sort of clown on the Rockies a little bit right now, uh, just given the, the struggles that they've had of late. But the reality is both of these teams moving forward are in a difficult situation. <laughs> you look at the Los Angeles Dodgers, and it's not just the amount of money they're spending, it's the way that they're spending it, right? You look at the Los Angeles Angels, like, there are other teams that spend almost as much money and do not get nearly as much out of it in the grand scheme of things. It's not just that the Dodgers are spending money. It's that I think they're probably the smartest team in baseball as far as how they spend that money, you know, where they're allocating their assets, how good they are at signing international amateurs. seems like their farm system is always one of the best in baseball. And they don't really make, you know, a lot of huge trades that gut their farm system. They've made some some bigger deals over the years, but it feels like there's always so much depth in the farm system left over. It's it's uh, it's honestly mind-boggling just thinking thinking ahead if we're being honest here from from not only the the Diamondbacks perspective but also the Rockies. This is a really really tough division. And I know I'm, you know, it's not exactly a shock. Everyone sort of knows that at this point. But when you're thinking ahead to, you know, what would it look like for the Arizona Diamondbacks to contend, not just, you know, once every five or six years, we've, we've seen that they've been able to do that. You know, the stars have sort of aligned every half decade or so for this team where they've been able to make the playoffs and get over the hump. But in order to like really be a contender in the NLS year after year after year, and now you not only have the Dodgers in that mix, but of course you have the San Diego Padres spending what they're spending right now. Patrick, is this just... A dead end? Is it? Is it just impossible? Should we? Should Diamondbacks fans just sort of wave the the white flag at this point right now? I wouldn't say that. I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say they need to wave <laughs> the white flag. But it it that's that's somewhat of a pipe dream to to be a, a more smaller market club that that consistently wins um, and doesn't just wait for their window of uh, of contention. And and I think you know again Diamondbacks fans and I think all fans. Um, around Major League Baseball and all professional sports, if your team has that window where they are relevant and they are winning consistently uh, and they give you a hope for four to five straight years in a row and then they've got to reset some things, I think that's just a a natural part of uh, the life cycle of of sports franchises. The Dodgers are just an anomaly in that way. Uh, And and again, it's unfortunate that uh, the D-backs and and the Rockies have to contend with that. But I I don't think there's anything wrong with with having that reset. Um, Tanking, you know, might be a different thing. And uh, people feel different ways about that. Also, not sure that that's something that will continue going forward with the draft lottery. But uh, I do contend that it's it's still a, a good enough system that um, you're guaranteed, you know, either the fourth or fifth best pick overall. So 
Um, I, I don't know. We, we still could see some tanking, but, but bottom line is um, I, I think it's okay. I, I think it's all right. As long as you're able to, you know, get your eggs in that one basket and say, Hey, we've got a window here for, you know, four years, whatever it is. And then we can go all in and, and you start to see more, more free agent spending. You know, the Diamondbacks have been quiet with that. They don't, they haven't really need to do that quite as much. They've, they've supplemented really well that, um, Evan Longoria deal, uh, at, for third base one year, 8 million. Like I think is just uh, savvy, savvy spending for, for uh, a nice short-term contract. So I think it's fine. I, I think that's just, that's just the life cycle of, of sports teams is, uh, you pick your spots, uh, then you go for it, and then you, you just got to hope that the other teams in your division uh, aren't also gunning for that same time period. I think that's one of the reasons why the, the Rockies <laughs> like this idea to maybe wait a little bit, sit back. Again, if, if the team you know comes out of the gates firing on all cylinders, you might see them maybe make a transaction at the trade deadline to, to help their club, especially if they're winning. You want to you know support those guys in the clubhouse, let them know you believe in them. Uh, to be able to do it for the second half, but sitting back and waiting for 2025, 2026 for the D backs, it's probably 2024, 2025. Again, it's a year or so ahead. Um, one of the things that makes it, you know, so good to uh, have a strategy like that right now is because the Padres window is wide open. It will end at some point. They don't have a never ending farm system like the Dodgers. Yeah. The giants are still struggling to figure some things out. Uh, I don't know if they will. They're 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 somewhat of a wild card right now, um, but the Padres in a couple of years will will not be what they are right now, and they're gonna could very well have a couple you know albatross contracts um, you know on their roster. Manny Machado may not even be a Padre. He uh, can opt out at the end of the season. Yeah. So uh, I, I think it's it's wise to kind of pick your spots and and it's okay to to wait for those moments. It's it's going to be great being a D backs fan here very very soon. It's like you're trying to like time the housing market or something, like make sure the conditions are perfect for you to like go in and enter the market and, and push all the chips in. Uh, so just just so we're all on the same page here. So the San Diego Padres have Fernando Tatis Jr. under their contract through 2034, uh, which I don't even know what I'll be doing in 2034 because that feels so impossibly far away. Uh, Xander Bogarts is under contract through 2033, similarly. And then Manny Machado, as you mentioned, does have an opt-out after uh, this next season. If he doesn't take that opt-out, which I think would be surprising, uh, they have him under control through 2028. Juan Soto, of course, is there through 2024, although it sort of feels like it would be up A.J. Preller's alley to try to lock him up long-term and you know make him, him part of that San Diego Padres core moving forward. The Dodgers, in terms of their long-term assets, of course, Mookie Betts has this huge contract. He'll be there through 2032. And then Freddie Freeman through 2027 uh, over in L.A. So, yeah, there are some some long-term assets, some very, very good players that are going to be in the NL West for a very long time. Uh, but, yeah, if if you're a team like the Diamondbacks, you're looking at, you know, Corbin Carroll and you're looking at Alec Thomas and Jake McCarthy and all of these young players that we've spent so much time talking about, and the reality for for a team like the D-backs is, you know, they might they might not be able to give a a ten year three hundred million dollar contract or whatever, you know, if if one of those players warrants it, it, it would be tough for them. Um, it seems like the path, Patrick, to making this sustainable for a team like the D-backs that probably is going to spend even less than the Rockies moving forward is you have to lock these guys up early. You have to you have to do what the Atlanta Braves are doing, which is absolutely insane. If we pull the the tweet here of the Atlanta Braves and their uh, contract extensions. We've, we've talked about this on the show already, but 
if you're looking for like a blueprint of what a team like the Arizona Diamondbacks should be looking to do, this is it, right? And I don't, I don't think I'm, you know, th- this feels like it's, it's pretty obvious. I think a lot of people have recognized that this is kind of what you have to do. Uh, the Braves have Austin Riley under control through 2033, Michael Harris through 2032, Matt Olson 2030, Sean Murphy just signed the deal 2029, Spencer Strider signed an extension 2029. The list goes on and on and on. Uh, Patrick, I don't know if the if the Braves have, have some sort of secret uh, method of getting players to sign extensions, um, whatever it is, you know, Alex Anthopoulos needs to uh, tell all of the other GMs in baseball about that ASAP, because I think they would very much like to know what exactly is has gone into all of these deals going down. Um, but there's there's something to be said for this, this idea of like pay your guys while they're young. Take, you're you're going to be taking some risks. You might be paying some of these players before they're well-established. But for a team like the D-backs, it feels like that's the gamble that you might have to take. Yeah, absolutely. We, we discussed this uh, on Tuesday's podcast on the DNVR Rockies podcast where uh, you know we looked at some of the extensions that the, the Rockies had signed with their guys. Uh, by the end of the 2021 season, uh, up through uh, the middle of last season when they extended Daniel Bard, you know, they, they put out, uh, 233 million, I think was, was the number of uh, four extensions. Whereas Atlanta, uh, since the, the beginning of, of last season, $600 million, uh, for those guys. And that's not including the, the hundred plus million that Acuna jr. Got, uh, which was, uh, an embarrassment. If you're, if you're his agent, you did an awful job Yeah, <laughs> during the bag for him. Same thing with Ozzy Albies uh, agent. Like, yeah, but those are embarrassing deals, but to your point, you're, you're, guaranteeing money to those players like you know there there's there's some a lot of risk there, there's a lot of risk with that i mean look at uh in 2019 david Dahl was an all-star for the colorado rockies and you say oh man yeah you've got you know control over this guy uh of his, of his contract for about four more years man how many more all-stars is he gonna have you know what let's go let's guarantee him some money what he would probably make in arbitration uh, the next three, four years, and then buy out two or three years of what would be his free agency. He can still become a free agent at, you know, say age 31, 32. He can still secure another contract. So uh, there is some risk there on both sides. And then you turn around and you, and you realize, well, David Dahl really, really lost himself uh, yeah. in a lot of ways. Ended up getting designated for assignment. And that was it. The 2020 was his final season with the Rockies. So he went from being an all-star in 2019 to getting designated for assignment a year later. Now, if you guarantee that money to that guy, that's it. You're just stuck with that player that you may not want anymore. But if you go year to year to year, you can designate him for assignment and you don't have to pay that player anything. So there's a lot of risk with that. You you need to be confident in your guys and say, I want to have this player around. Uh, I'm going to give him guaranteed money. Now he knows how much money he's going to make going forward. That's going to take a little pressure off that player. He can make better investments with his life, uh, be a little bit more stress-free. So uh, it's definitely a win-win situation. And you're right. That's the way that you you have to go about it. Uh, you you got to sign the guys before they are close to free agency. Once you're even two years uh, near free agency, that's guys can sniff it. Guys, yeah. if it, I mean, think about right. it now. Any anyone that has two years left before free agency, um, right now, they can look and say, "Hey, by the end of next year, it's 2023. All right, I'm going to play in 23. I'm going to play in 24, and I'm a free agent. I'm going to be a free agent at the end of next year. You can taste it. So you've yeah. got to you got to get your hooks in those guys a little bit earlier uh, when they're three or four years out. Uh, but you also need to know that this is a player that you want to be tied to. 
uh, for the foreseeable future if, if you're going to guarantee him that kind of money. Ben makes a good point in the comments saying it helps to have good players to extend. <laughs> and that's kind of like, yeah, you can, you know, you can be as good as anyone in baseball at getting players to sign extensions and, you know, make your, your city, your team, uh, appealing to them over, over a long-term deal. But yeah, if like you're saying with David Dahl, those are mistakes that the teams do make with some frequency. We've even seen with the Diamondbacks, it wasn't quite like what the Rockies did with David Dahl, but the D-backs gave Cattell Marte uh, an extension before the 2022 season started. And at the time, everyone was marveling because Cattell Marte, you know, a lot of injuries in 2021, but he had an OPS of around 900. He was far and away the best hitter on the team. And he signed for about $15 million a year in this extension. And so it, it felt like a huge win for a team like the Diamondbacks. And then it's amazing how even just one season can change the outlook on, on a deal like that. Now, now D-backs fans are wondering like, oh man, is that is that kind of an albatross of a contract now? I don't think it's quite to that point. I think Cattell Marte is still valuable enough um, mostly offensively, the defense is taking quite a bit of a step back, but I think there's enough value there for right now that, that things are still okay, but it's fair to ask the question, you know, in another couple years, will the D-backs be looking back on that extension and, you know, could tell Marte becomes the, the new Madison Bumgarner, the new guy who's, you know, just not really, um, not really performing at the level that their, that their contract value would, would seem to indicate. Uh, and then on the other hand, you have a guy like Merrill Kelly. Uh, who the D-backs also extended at the beginning of 2022 and he came out and threw 200 innings with, you know, a 3.37 ERA. So, uh, yeah, the the million-dollar question here is how good is Corbin Carroll going to be? How good is Alec Thomas going to be? How good is Jake McCarthy going to be when it's all said and done? Are these the guys that are worth those kind of long-term extensions or would it be a little bit bullish at this point in their careers to go out and and take that step? Um, and to your point about, you know, once guys get kind of close to free agency, there's a point where the window to do a deal like that closes. Uh, the D-backs might be past that point with Zach Gallen, frankly. He has three years, three years remaining, not two, as you were talking about. But I still think that um, things look a little bit grim there as far as a, a contract extension goes. But uh, yeah, if, if the D-backs feel strongly about these young players, that's that's sort of the gamble you got to take and and you just kind of have to do it if you're the D-backs because what's the alternative like you know uh letting letting those guys walk you know having them having them become really great players and then letting them walk in free agency and then you know at that point you're you're trying to find another Corbin Carroll you're trying to find another Alec Thomas or or whoever it may be yeah, and you don't know that the grass is greener on the other side with that other free agent whereas you're you're very familiar with Zach Allen Right from from when he was in the minors, uh, and, and you acquired him as a prospect in that Jazz Chisholm deal. The other side of the coin that you talk about is, you know, Corbin Carroll. You say, "Hey, lock him up, extension." How good is Corbin Carroll going to be? He has an idea in his head, and so the the Diamondbacks, you know, slide a number across the table and say, "Hey, here's how much we want to pay you. More money than you probably ever dreamed of. It's guaranteed for the next, you know, seven, eight, nine years, and then this is how much you're going to make." Of course, he's going to sit down with his his agent and say this is the kind of player I think I'm going to be. I'm going to put up these kind of numbers. And so uh, we're going year to year to year. Uh, I'm going to get the league minimum. I'm going to get $700,000 for my first three years. You know, they want to give me closer to 5 million for my first three years. That would be nice. Uh, but then I go to arbitration. I'm going to make this much. All right. They'll pay me the exact same amount. But then I would go into free agency uh, at age 28, whatever it may be. 
and I could sign a 10 year deal worth X amount. He's got that number in his head and the diamondbacks, they only want to pay him for three or four years after what would be his natural free agent season and at a discounted rate for what he would be on an actual open market. So the player also has, you know, an idea of his value of his worth. Same, same thing with the agent. Brian Reynolds is dealing with this right now in Pittsburgh. It was reported yeah. that the two sides are $50 million apart. One of the reasons why Brian Reynolds realized, Hey, you know what? I'd rather go somewhere else. Uh, you know, trade me to uh, to someone who's more of a contender and someone like Atlanta who would lock me up and give me that money. You know, I'm, I'm sure it would be fine going out to free agency uh, and, and, and making money that route. But if he can get that money guaranteed to him now, man, that that's going to take a lot of weight off of his shoulders over the next three years. Cause he's got three more years until he reaches free agency. So, you know, the players, they have an idea in their mind too, how much they're worth. And if it doesn't line up with the team, then you're just not going to have a deal. Well, speaking of free agents, the Diamondbacks just signed one, as people are discussing here in the comments, uh, according to, at least I'm seeing this from John Heyman, and a number of other reporters might have, might have had this one as well. Uh, but Zach Davies is returning to the Arizona Diamondbacks on a $5 million deal. Um, according to John Heyman, there's also $3 million in possible incentives here. Uh, Patrick, this was, uh, this was a, a move that uh, not necessarily a huge shock. Uh, Zach Davies was on the list of of ten free agents that I wrote about about a week ago. Um, this one, I think, was was pretty obvious to see that there was a possible fit here. Zach Davies, uh, according to reports, did indicate that he would be interested in returning to the Diamondbacks. He wasn't going to return for you know two million dollars, or I, I'm forgetting what the exact figure was, but it was about two million dollars that he had um, on an option for. Uh, 2023. No surprises that he turned that down after the season he had. Uh, but now he returns uh, to the Arizona Diamondbacks. Uh, we'll just kind of react to this real quick. Uh, take a take a bit of a hard hard left turn here. Uh, Davies slots in to the Diamondbacks rotation uh, pretty nicely. He gives the D-backs a um, a veteran presence, a reliable arm, which I think is very very important for a team that basically has Zach Allen, Merrill Kelly. And then a bunch of young pitchers that seem promising, plus Madison Bumgarner. That's kind of what the rotation picture looked like prior to this. Uh, now Zach Davies can slot in behind Merrill Kelly um, and uh, and Zach Gallen. And then you also have Madison Bumgarner along with a number of the young guys, uh, Tommy Henry, Dre Jameson, Ryan Nelson, potentially Brandon Fott in the mix for uh, the number four, number five spots uh, in the rotation. Um I know you've seen uh, Zach Davies pitch a uh, pitch a game or two uh, against your Colorado Rockies, Patrick. What's your uh, what's your sense of of him as a as a starting pitcher? I'm a big fan of Zach Davies. Uh, I am. Um, he's he's not an ace. He's not a number two. Uh, at his best, he's a number three. But there's yeah. there's a lot of value to have uh, consistency out of the back end of your rotation. Uh, we we just finished up a podcast where I had Zach Davies as as one of those names um, that I've I've kind of long wanted the Rockies uh, to go after him and, and Wade Miley. They're just guys that go out there and uh, so long as they're healthy, they're going to post. They're 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 going to be good. They're going to be great in the back end of the rotation. Um, and so I think this is a really good move for the the Diamondbacks. You know, obviously there's uh, probably a lot of fans maybe frustrated with the idea that 
You want to see Ryan Nelson, you know, get a spot in the rotation, and he's probably the favorite to do that. Dre Jamison, um, you know, you, you've got some other guys in the system that you you want to see, um, but you want to also want to set those guys up for success. You don't want to say, "Hey, we're gonna have a you know a, a rotation where nearly half of it is is rookies." Uh, yeah, they're gonna have to go out and post. You know, uh, it's okay to kind of go you know back and forth a little bit between Reno uh, and Phoenix, and that's just something that happens. Uh, at, as part of a, of a big leaguers trajectory, it just happens that way. So uh, I think this is, this is really good for, for helping out the depth of the rotation. Uh, and as you know, we, we, we saw in the comments here uh, on the PHNX sports channel on YouTube that, you know, he could be a really good trade chip. And then, then, then you open up the rotation a little bit in the second half for those young guys where uh, they stabilize a little bit and you say, okay, now you can go out and this is going to be your spot in the rotation going forward. So there's no such thing as a, as a bad one year deal. Uh, and to this point in his career, there's no such thing as uh, Zach Davies for one season. So uh, <laughs> this is a good pickup for them. Davies is, is still 29 years old. Uh, you know, if you're looking at the free agent market, uh, a lot of the guys were, you know, 35, 36, something like that. And I think the D-backs probably like that, you know, there's not a huge risk that Davies is just going to drop off a cliff because he's because he's aging or anything like that. Uh, last year with the D-backs, he had a 4.09 ERA in 27 starts. Um, we have another uh, tweet. This one is especially ironic given our, our subject today of the D-backs not spending enough money in uh, in free agency to compete with some of the other teams in the NOS. According to John Gambadoro, uh, he says the Diamondbacks still have money to spend in free agency. He also says they were in on Dansby Swanson and did make him a substantial offer a few weeks ago, an offer very competitive with what he ended up signing for uh, with the Chicago Cubs, of course, that deal wound up being seven years, $177 million. That's fascinating, Patrick. Uh, Dansby Swanson, of course, there's some history with the Arizona Diamondbacks. The Diamondbacks drafted Swanson first overall back in 2015. Of course, the dreaded trade uh, that they made with the Atlanta Braves sending him over to Atlanta. That would have been uh, quite a development if the Diamondbacks had turned around and and brought Dansby Swanson back to Arizona after that. Not the first big-name shortstop the D-backs have been uh, attached to this offseason when we were down in San Diego for the winter meetings, Patrick. Just uh, a few weeks ago, the Diamondbacks were also linked to Xander Bogarts at that time. Everyone was, was skeptical, including myself, about the team's you know, were they really right up there at, you know, $280 million ready to make that deal. But according to this report, Gambo uh, is is pretty reliable as some good team sources. The D-backs seem to have been in, in the mix for Dansby Swanson. Yeah, we, we talked about it in San Diego. I, I thought that would have been a good fit, bring the the prodigal son back home like that. That would have been, uh, that would have been fitting. That would have been a great storyline for them, especially with him being the the, the the fourth best option or the fourth cheapest option uh, still you know crept close to to two hundred million dollars uh, and and again bottom line is if 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 the Cubs offered him more money than the Diamondbacks I mean he's he's going to have to take that deal uh, not only for his his family uh, and, and his new wife Mallory Pugh who's from Colorado so you got a Colorado connection there maybe could have brought him <laughs> in with the Rockies not quite we got Ezekiel Tovar I know you guys had Nick Ahmed there so you you've got another superstar shortstop. Uh, I, I, I kid of course. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think that would have been an interesting fit, uh, for Swanson to, to go back to, to Arizona there and kind of, you know, right some wrongs within the, the organization, uh, if, if the money was right. 
Uh, I think that would have made a lot of sense. You know, one thing that a lot of teams that are that are young and, and maybe aren't quite ready yet to contend is the front office, you know, uh, gets a little aggressive early uh, on in uh, uh, in free agency and, and acquires a player maybe a year or two before they're really ready to get going. We've seen that a lot of times. I think the Cubs did that with John Lester. Uh, uh, it's just, it's just something that you do. And so uh, that, that really does suggest that the, the Diamondbacks were, were looking uh, to, to basically bring in Swanson, get them going. Yeah. Maybe they wouldn't contend necessarily in 23, but 2024, those young guys have another year under their belt and then they'd really be ready to go um, all in on it in, in, in 24 and, and start to become a contender as it were, you, you know, you may have to wait another season for that to happen for the D backs, but I can see, uh, I can see the appeal. I can see why uh, it would would be attractive uh, for the D backs front office. Uh, Heath Klein makes a great point in the comments saying a team with uh Gurriel jr. And Swanson would have led the league in hair above average, which is the, the latest greatest uh, stat cast stat. I'm not sure if you've heard about it, Patrick, but hair, hair above average going to be going to be a big one in, in 2023. Uh, anyway, we'll get back to Dansby Swanson and, uh, and that, that development, which is very, very interesting here in a second. Uh, but first, uh, I want to tell you about our friends over at More Furniture, where you can save big on the best furniture in the Valley. Head over to morefurniture.com. Uh, Patrick, I'm about to move into a new townhouse. Uh, and of course, furnishing the place is sort of an undertaking. Definitely going to be hitting up uh, more furniture. Do you have any advice for me, Patrick, just in general, uh, as far as furnishing a place? Any Any pro tips from someone who I imagine has done that a few times in your life? Yeah, I, I would I would honestly listen to the experts over there because okay you know, they, they know what's best and you know sometimes you you got to spend a little bit more for that quality like you you get what you pay for um, and so if you go the you know maybe the, the cheaper route again you get what you pay for so uh, I would really consider the experts over there uh, they they know what they're doing. Um, and they'll, they'll help you figure out some things too. If you let them know what the layout is going to look like, uh, they might have a better idea for you as, as far as what to get. So that's, that's the tip. If you know someone who's good with the feng shui, all that stuff, rugs, tie it in, you know, they, they've got experts over there that can lay all of that out for you. That would be my advice to almost be almost <laughs> as much hands off as you could possibly be other when it comes, other than when it comes to, you know, pulling the credit card out and actually paying for it. That's the only time maybe your hands should, uh, should be in on a deal like this. Well, our friends over at more furniture also have their famous white glove delivery, which is how we had all of our incredible office furniture delivered from our friends over at more furniture. So be sure to check them out over at morefurniture.com. I will certainly be doing that as well myself here over the next few weeks. Um, Going back to this Dansby Swanson report, um, and I think a couple of people mentioned this in the chat as well. In a sense, this is maybe heartbreaking for for Tex fans to know that, like, hey, this guy you signed a few weeks ago, you are actually right on the verge, but you didn't do it. You know, it's sort of like when you know someone says, "Oh, I, I thought of you when I was at the store the other day. I saw this thing that would have been perfect for you." And then you ask them if they bought it, and they say no. Right? It's like, oh, great, thanks for thanks for telling me. Um, but I, I do think this says something about the Diamondbacks plan potentially next offseason. Uh, someone mentioned in the chat that, you know, both Rafael Devers and potentially Manny Machado would be out there on the market. The Diamondbacks don't have a long term solution at third base as of this moment. Um, so I, I do think that makes some sense. Uh, 
you're probably looking at a higher price tag than than you know where Dansby Swanson's market um, ultimately fell. But that could be uh, an option for the D-backs next offseason. Patrick, are we are we crazy? Somehow we went from talking about how the Diamondbacks, you know, never spend enough money to to potentially contend in the NOS. And here we are talking about Rafael Devers and Manny Machado next offseason. No, I I think that's the place to be right now if you're if you're a Diamondbacks fan, because you know, those guys, those young guys are coming. I mean, those young guys are are there. And and so uh, they're gonna they're gonna start to be you know contributing in, in a major way. I mean, they're, you're gonna have a couple all stars this year. Uh, it's not just gonna be hey, who's the uh, who's the setup guy doing really well in the seventh or eighth inning? Uh, you know, no no uh, no <laughs> no disrespect to Joe Mantiply, but uh, you know you got some stars. You got some stars on this roster right now, and um, they're they're gonna need to be supplemented a little bit by by some veteran guys. And so you know, the, the better they are, the more exciting, the sexier that they are uh, in general as a whole, more fans are going to come out to the ballpark. There's going to be uh, more ability to, to be flexible with the payroll. And so you can see, you know, those kind of players, uh, you know, gravitate towards the diamondbacks. If, if they are footing the bill for that, you know, the, the, the Swanson business, you know, it's, it's hard to know which side of the fence, uh, uh, to, to lean towards as far as Jordan Lawler is concerned. You say, yeah. well, you know, does, does that mean that they don't believe in Jordan Lawler? No, not necessarily. It, it, it could just be that uh, when Lawler is ready, you know, um, Swanson moves over to third base. Uh, maybe they just feel maybe Lawler's more of a, of a third baseman or, you know, just again, it, it, one of those situations of like, we'll kind of wait and see. If we can get Swanson, great. We'll figure it out. Swanson's a way better big leaguer right now than Jordan, Jordan Lawler. Bottom line. Jordan Lawler's yeah. not a big leaguer yet. So you say, <laughs> hey, if we get Swanson, great. We'll figure it out. If we don't, Lawler can still be that all-star shortstop we hope him to, hope for him to be, and then we can go and supplement and get one of those third basemen. Yeah, yeah, I think it. I mean, a lot of people kind of assume, you know, and this happened when when they showed interest in Xander Bogarts as well. Like, oh, this, you know, is there is there some sort of a concern here about Jordan Lawler's long-term defensive home? Third base is kind of the natural thing that comes to your mind. Based on what I've seen from Jordan Lawler, I actually think second base might be like if he is not a shortstop, I actually think second base would probably be a more likely landing spot for him. Seems like the arm strength has been a a big thing that people have started to notice that maybe that's not quite there to the degree that uh, that people hoped it would be. And, it, you know, if the arm is the primary issue and not your range, it, it would probably make more sense for, for Lawler to land at second instead of third. Um Regardless, there, there's just so many layers to this Dansby Swanson thing. And the fact that, you know, I mean, he was the centerpiece of of arguably the biggest trade blunder in Diamondbacks history. And to come back and turn around and sign him as a free agent, I can't decide if that's like, like cool, like, oh, yeah, you you know, you righted the wrong. Or if, if that's like kind of sad that you're having to pay, you know, 175 or 180 million dollars for a player that you you could have potentially had in your organization for several years already. Uh, I don't know how to think about this, Patrick. Help me help me out here. Well, it's, it's very much poetic. I think we can say that. I think we can say it's it's quite poetic <laughs> for for him to to come back like that again I, I think they they write some wrongs uh in, in in being able to do something like that of course they didn't but uh I, I i like that 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 aspect uh but you but you're right i think people probably don't know how to feel exactly like you know what again which side of the fence are you on when it comes to that is this a yeah. good news or is this a bad news like like all things <laughs> all things are a gift and a curse depending on how you you want to look at it uh in that way i i think that would have been really nice uh for for them to have done that but at the same time 
it would have reminded a lot of people of, of something that, you know, there's new D-backs fans each and every day. Uh, maybe, maybe not uh, millions every day, but nevertheless, <laughs> uh, you know, you, you, you got to dig deep and, and understand, learn the, the history of the franchise as something that, you know, you and Derek do, do a great job in each and every day. But if you're not aware of that, you go, wait, Dansby, wait, we already had him and now we had to go out and pay. Why didn't we end him like we did with (laughs) Cattell Marte? And then you could get frustrated all over again and uh, it ends up working out really nice. So uh, it's going to be loaded. There's a lot to unpack. There's a, it's there. You're going to need some therapy time. Therapy Thursday. Uh, Book it right now. (laughs) That's what tomorrow's show is going to be. I mean, you know, it's crazy. You know, something crazy has happened when Derek Montia shows up in the chat uh, while he's on vacation. He chimed in earlier and was like, what the heck? Dansby Swanson of the Diamondbacks. Um, Yeah, we're definitely going to continue to talk about that going into tomorrow's show. Uh, So be sure to join us tomorrow at 1 p.m. I'll be joined by Sean DePaz and Michaela Perkins. Uh, We'll have three people on on the show tomorrow. Uh, Patrick, you were able to, you know, sort of take Derek's spot all by yourself, but you know, sometimes you have to bring in, you know, a whole contingent of people in order to, in order to make up for, for what Derek brings to the show. So uh, be sure to join us uh, tomorrow, of course, at 1 PM. Um, another thing that you should do uh, between now and tomorrow is go visit our friends over at Octane Raceway. Uh, we are excited to welcome both Octane Raceway and Mavericks to the PHNX family. You've seen the fun that our crew has had out there. Now come check it out for yourself. We did have uh, an incredible time. We had an all-staff meeting over there a couple of months ago. Uh, it was genuinely one of the best uh, Thursday afternoons I've ever I've ever had in my life. So uh, highly, highly recommend. Um, of course, they have a full service, full service food uh, and drink menu as well. Octane has the only full time indoor outdoor track in the United States. Uh, so some some pretty special things happening over there. They also have daily specials on Monday. They have the $15 unlimited fun pass Tuesday, uh, 50% off taco trios. Wednesday is winning Wednesday with half price arcade games all day. Uh, and the fun continues on for the rest of the week as well. So be sure to go visit them if you haven't already. Uh, if you're joining us here on YouTube, we really appreciate uh, your time. Be sure to smash the like button and hit subscribe if you haven't already. It helps the YouTube algorithm. Uh, that is what we live for around here is, is helping the YouTube algorithm as well as bringing you uh, the best Arizona Diamondbacks coverage that we possibly can as well. Uh, Patrick, I feel like we've only sort of scratched the surface of this NL West situation, uh, but it seems that the Diamondbacks are maybe a little bit more willing to write some of these big checks than uh, than maybe either of us uh, realized coming into this. Yeah, for sure. You, you you never know what the plan is is going to be. Uh, you only hope that there is a plan. Uh, and I yeah. think Diamondbacks <laughs> maybe have struggled with that. The Rockies have definitely struggled with that. I I, I think Colorado has a has a plan in place. It's again, it's not one that I think a lot of fans are going to be happy with because I think it is sitting back a little bit. Uh, it was mentioned uh, in San Diego at the winter meetings last month that uh, they didn't want to block any of their young guys with with, with the long term deals, uh, as I mentioned earlier. So. They're, they're, they have a plan. It, it's just kind of sit back a little bit and, and not spend and, and then regret that deal later on when you want to spend that money. So uh, I, I think that's that's the positive in you know not not locking up players to, to some of these longer term deals and for the Diamondbacks, you know I think I think you guys have a lot less flexibility financially than the Rockies have. Rockies are yeah. you know, have almost consistently here in the last decade been almost uh, a top half payroll. Like they right. usually in and around number fifteen. I think they've been as low as twelve to ten. So uh, they're willing to spend, especially when 
you know, they're playing really well and, and season ticket numbers are really high. So they can get back to that point. Whereas, you know, in Arizona, it might take a little bit longer for, for fans to realize how good, uh, you know, the future is going to be, how bright uh, th- this roster uh, could possibly be. Uh, it's not going to be until they, they start winning ball games where people are going to come back to the ballpark uh, and really want to come to the ballpark and, and be excited yeah. to do that. When they do, then they'll start to have some more of that money uh, to go forward and, uh, and, and, and use on payroll. But if they, if they miss, you know, that's, there's no wiggle room. The Rockies spent $102 million on Wade Davis, Brian Shaw, and Jake McGee. The Super Bullpen was a super yeah. failure. <laughs> uh, you know, for the Diamondbacks, the, the Yasmani Tomas deal was something that, you know, you just had to eat, and that's money. Think about where they could have spent, uh, you, know, you know, so much better during that time to, to supplement the roster and uh, be more relevant. So uh, you got to be careful with that. You absolutely have to be careful with that. But Rockies and Diamondbacks have a plan, so that's something. That's something. There we go. Uh, we're going to end on that note right here on the PHNX DVAC show here on this Wednesday afternoon. Thank you all so much for being with us here. If you were able to join us in the chat, if you're one of those audio only people, uh, be sure to join us on YouTube uh, at least every once in a while. We love interacting with you in the comments as we go along. Um, as I mentioned earlier, if you haven't already, be sure to subscribe to the PHNX Sports YouTube channel. Uh, drop us a like and a comment here on the video as well. Let us know uh, what you think of this entire situation with Dansby Swanson potentially uh, nearly coming to the Arizona Diamondbacks and then Zach Davies uh, officially signing with the Arizona Diamondbacks at least per reports at this point. Uh, if you haven't already, be sure to give us both a follow on Twitter. You can find me at Jesse N. Friedman, our friend Patrick Lyons. You can find at Patrick D. Lyons. Uh, and of course, uh, for us over here, all roads lead to PHNX underscore D-backs as well as PHNX underscore sports. Uh, and that last one is on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Thank you all once again for being with us here today. Uh, We really appreciate your time. And remember, kids, baseball is fun, but it's so much more fun when you don't play in the NL West.